0: One year ago today, it was a crazy day up and down the Gulf Coast. It was frozen everywhere, just about everywhere where you can hear our voices. It was absolutely frozen. The 2021 freeze one year ago today. So we're going to start right there on the Bite Me podcast. I'm John Lopez. That is Captain Scott Knoll. And that over there is Captain Caleb McCumber. And uh, listen, uh, we've got all kinds of stuff we're going to cover for you today. Uh, we've been doing this and I've been on a little bit of kick of a kick on this uh, and the guys have been great. Just everything you need to know what you need to know about particular base systems. I figure we'll make it uh, we'll make it a trend here. We started with uh, uh, Sabine and then we did uh, Port O'Connor and today we're going to get all the expertise of uh, Captain Caleb McCumber and Scott Null uh, particularly Caleb on the Matagorda base system. Uh, There's been a lot of good support on this good response. So, we're going to go up and down the, uh, the Texas coast and the Gulf coast, uh, maybe even get to Louisiana and Florida with just everything you need to know about particular bay systems. I'm headed down to beautiful South, South Padre Island uh, this week, and maybe we'll even get a good uh, friend of ours, uh, a captain to, to help us with everything you need to know about down there. So big show for you today. We're going to go talk about color changes and uh, rod and reel, which has to do with a Christmas present uh, that I was told about. Uh, strategies for when the water comes back up, is the water coming back up? And of course, uh, what would Scott do? What would Caleb do for sure? Uh, We're going to get right to it right here, but don't forget to subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, on uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else. And don't forget about the Bite Me group page. All these questions come from there, just about all of them. Uh, You can message us uh, via the group page, uh, post a, a question on the group page. We will get to it. You can also directly uh, access, uh, you know, our uh, direct messages. Uh, I'm at Lopez on sports on Instagram at Lopez on sports on Twitter. And of course there's a bite me podcast page on Instagram as well. That's bite underscore me underscore podcast on uh, Instagram. And uh, let's get to it because I know you guys have been great. We're going to have a fun show today and let's start with the freeze. Uh, We spent a good couple of months after the freeze assessing damage talking about uh, some of the, uh, you know, actually devastation uh, that we saw uh, all the way from uh, South Padre to into Louisiana and some of the things that have happened. I'm going to start with Scott. He stay, tends to to be pretty plugged in with these things. And I know you have an opinion on all this, but one year ago was the freeze. I'm going to start with these two things, Scott. Uh, what has changed uh, in the last year? What have you seen? And what have you heard from all your captain friends up and down the coast? And what are the prospects? Let's start with what has changed and what you've heard in the the last year since the freeze. Well, like we talked about right after the freeze, I've lived
1: through those and uh, I've seen enough of them. When I was saying you're either going to be a hero or zero, it's kind of come true. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been spotty. Uh, Normally, you know, if you have a rough day, you can go here and go there and pick up two trout here, four trout there, two trout there and just you know pick at it and get a box uh this has been more like you, you either find them or you don't and there's there's a lot of dead water in between uh i've heard that it's picking up a little bit here and there uh over the last few months i can i can see that uh as they spread out a little bit more you know fall the bait fish kind of scatter out a little bit and get more scarce, so. Uh, throughout the winter you know they think they're going to spread out a little bit more uh come spring it's anybody's guess yeah i don't know i got a funny feeling we're going to see a lot of little fish Yeah, you know uh you know from a, a pretty good spawn there's plenty of bait fish out there for them to eat and uh so they should be able to pull off pretty decent spawn then with the uh, new regulations coming in
0: that can't do anything but help what about prospects now? Because, uh, I know we've talked about, um, could be four or five years. Uh, are you off of that a little bit? Is there anything Scott that, uh, would encourage you to, to, uh, tell our listeners? Uh, that's
1: just biology, man. Uh, until we can get, replace those big fish that we lost, uh, they got to grow up, so mm-hmm. This, uh, the new regulations of three fish it should help all that. It should help get the biomass back up and producing. And once we get that going, get the biomass up, then the nature takes its course, and a few of them make it through to being bigger fish, and mm-hmm. we'll
0: get our, our top end fish back in some decent
1: numbers, I think.
0: But it's one thing we've seen a lot of, and I'm gonna get to Caleb on this in just a second. But uh, we've seen a lot of people changing their strategies toward redfish or other fish, particularly redfish. You know, Scott, i I don't think the red I don't think that's going to really affect the redfish fishery that much. It does a little bit, uh, but, but that's presuming that people can catch and release. And and what what are you what are your thoughts on that?
1: And I'm seeing a whole lot of cleaning table shots of just limits of redfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the redfish population is strong and it's taking you know taking over a little bit of the slack from the trout, but. It can't keep doing that, man. Uh, there is a finite number of fish out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, we used to think when when I was younger it was unlimited, but uh, time has shown us that uh, there is a limit to it, and we can harm the fish and the populations by uh, overfishing them.
0: Caleb, you've been on the water a lot since uh, one year ago today. Um, pretty much the same thing, uh, that I was talking with Scott about you're in a different base system. You also do a lot of tournament fishing. So you see base systems, uh, uh, all over the place. Start right there. What, what have you seen? What has changed? If anything.
2: Uh, it's, we, we saw the effects of the freeze. We're still seeing them now where the, the trout are a little bit tougher to find there in the fall when they schooled up. It, it was a nice splash in the pan. Pat and I fished all week last week and it was pretty tough fish wise. I mean. To be fair, this is the kind of year the time of year whenever it can get pretty grindy and mm-hmm. and uh you know the fish kind of they'll, they'll lay on the bottom for a couple of days and then eat. But the the numbers just aren't there. The the redfish, like Scott was saying, are getting beat up pretty good. They got beat up pretty good and and frankly the numbers on them is, is getting a bit more scarce. Uh but you know, we have we had the hurricane come through and help us. We have a, we had a good spawn. I think that we're going to start seeing some improvement coming up here pretty soon. It's not all gloom and doom. Um, you know, it, it, it's made it, it's made it tough for a while, but you know, hopefully we have, we have a reprieve on the horizon.
0: If you had to guess what is pretty soon, uh, you know, talking to Scott about, you know, maybe three four years or more before we get back to what we experienced, uh, what, what would be pretty soon and, and what would have to happen for us to get back to that?
2: Well, I, I think that, that three or four years is realistic. You know, I'm not a biologist or a scientist or anything like that, but we, we like I said, we saw some improvements with the storms. We're we getting the, the limit change. Um, you know, three or four years will probably get to, back to where it's a little bit more fun to go fishing. I guess <laughs> you could say uh, it, man, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a uh, jaded right now. This is, it's, it's, it's a, been a rough week for us and, and Pat and I man we've done everything you could do deep water shell you know sand shallow water warming trends cooling trends all of that stuff and I do think it has a lot to do with the fact that there's literally thousands less fish out there than there was this time last year um you know what what I, what I'm worried about is that the trout fishery continues to be weak and the redfish continue to get beat up and there's so much propaganda out there pushing, conserving the trout. I think when people catch redfish, they really don't have it on their mind that there's anything to do with that fish, but throw him in the box and, and take him in, you know, from the, you know, social media posts I've seen. And from frankly, some of the texts and, and whatnot that I've gotten that are a bit perturbed at the stand that I promote and take on this. Um, it's not something I'm going to back off of, <laughs> but it, it, you know, like Scott said, back in the day, they didn't think you could hurt these fish with rod and real. Well, you know, some minds are changing. The, the numbers are dang sure showing it, but there's a lot of that old school mentality out there. And it's, you know, everybody loves to go catch a redfish and listen to their drag scream and all that kind of stuff and take, take a couple home. That's fine. I do it sometimes too. But let's just remember that fishing is fun. We're out there for fun. And, you know, let's keep it fun and make it fun again.
0: You know, when we have these discussions, I always uh, uh, remind myself to remind the the listeners that the whole idea of our podcast started uh, three years ago, whenever it was, uh, so we can help people catch more fish. Uh, And we always say it that way. It doesn't necessarily mean keep more fish. (laughs) We we want everybody to catch a lot of fish. Part of that is to not always keep uh, a lot of fish. You don't have to agree. I'm with you, Caleb, but I'm not going to back off either um, from what you guys have heard, Scott, I'll start with you. Um, wh- where where are we right now with the trout population in terms of the, the predominant number of is the size just smaller because a lot of so many big fish uh, died? Is it, is it just are they all in the same slot, so to speak? And you know, presuming that that they're still going to be hard to catch, that that I would think that that would help in two or three years to just have and people you know catching and releasing when they do find trout uh, for the most part that we're gonna this could be a really really good five-year period if we do it the right way
1: it could be uh the fish didn't just die on the upper end yeah but there's fewer of them on the upper end so you take you know okay let's say our upper end was 10 fish in this one particular area and we lost 40 percent of them uh that's a hit man yeah. it's a pretty pretty good solid hit so now you've only got a handful of fish in that upper end but the middle fish they lost 40% as well but there was more of them to begin with same goes on down the pyramid so yeah i mean you're always going to have more small fish than you are big fish it it's just nature um uh, as they grow older mortality takes its toll so i think it's probably pretty pretty evenly set up the same way that it was prior to it. It's just Mm -hmm. overall less fish.
0: You know, Caleb, it's funny because my wife doesn't normally fish. She likes to go down to our place down in Sargent, just hang out and whatever. One day, about a month ago, she goes, I'll go out with you. You know, it's a beautiful day. She just wanted to enjoy the day. So I I said, well, I'm going to be out, you know, a little bit. Um, So we left, you know, whatever, 730 in the morning. And I fished and fished and fished and fished and fished and fished. And I was all over the Bay uh, looking, uh, I think I caught one fish. And, and, and so we're probably about one or two in the afternoon, almost ready to come back in. And she finally turned to me. She goes, this is what you do. (laughs) Like you just (laughs) beat your head against the wall. She goes, all those days when you come out here, this is what you do. I said, yeah. Lately, <laughs> lately, oh, that's pretty much what I do. I beat my head against the wall and, and spend a lot of money on gas. Um, it's uh, it, it, you, you got to love the game right now if you're going to try to go fishing. But the hero zero thing that, that Scott likes to talk about, you know, that I was definitely a zero that day. Uh, when you do hero and I've had these days, fortunately, you know, in the last couple of months, just appreciate it, number one, and understand that you're going to eat
2: dinner that night. And it doesn't have to be fish. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I gotta I gotta kick it back to uh February of twenty eighteen. Travis Thompson and I were in Matagorda pre fishing for the legends. We fished all day long. And oh. at the end of it, Travis looked at me and said, Are there fish in this bay? Yeah, is there a fish in this bay? Exactly. Man, that's just how that's just how it be sometimes.
0: Yeah. This is what you do. And the way she said it was just so irritating. Like, you're idiot. <laughs> you <laughs> idiot.
2: I, I, you know, the funny part is I, I say that to myself every now and again.
0: <laughs> you do this. This is mm-hmm. what you do. He, he and I had a day one
1: once a while back where I we just couldn't find them, whatever reason was. I mean, it was it was just the way it was that day. And we're we're paddling back in. We were out in the kayaks and we're paddling back. He paddles up next to me. He goes, "You know, I don't even like fishing." <laughs> <laughs>
2: there,
1: there's some days, a, there's a common some, some text days
2: between. you do know, <laughs> There's a common text between Robert and Taylor and Justin and I, and it, it usually says a lot of fishing gear for sale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I, I, there was a lot of things I was ready to sell that day. That's for sure. Um, all right. So this is the fun part. This is where we get back to, uh, you know, those days when we do find them, how to find them, it makes it even more of a premium to know a base system. Uh, and if, and uh, so many of our listeners are from the inland, uh, you know, weekends or, or once a month or once every couple of months they go fishing. And they like to go to Sabine or Port O'Connor. Uh, we talked about those bay systems. Caleb, I'm gonna start with you here. You and uh, and our guy Pat have have been on that bay, uh, both bays in Matagorda East, Matagorda and Matagorda Bay, an awful lot. Let's get back to elementary school here. You know, and this is the best part of of like uh, when we have listeners, you know, saying, "Yeah, I've been interested in East Matagorda Bay. I've heard some things about Matagorda Bay and the peninsula and all that stuff." But what do I do? Where do I go? Let's talk like you are talking to an ele- elementary school class. What can you tell us about uh, East Matagorda? We'll start
2: there. And huh, I, I used to think I was qualified to answer this question,
0: <laughs> but after our last
2: discussion, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty
0: down on myself right now, man.
2: <laughs> Jeez, oh Pete, I had two or three people came and like, oh yeah, you know, we're so excited. And at the end of the day, I was like, oh. I'll, I, I, I how excited are my, you now <laughs> i i bought my customers a beer okay usually the guy gets a beer ball from him, like look man let me buy y'all a couple rounds <laughs> all right <laughs> oh boy uh is cool it, it's a lot like you know the conversation last week with scott and port o'connor it, it's got a little bit of everything um east matagorda bay's mud and shell probably the most forgiving way to fish that bay is to drift it over the deeper water where the you know anywhere on the west half of the bay is going to be scattered shell underneath you for the most part that's the most forgiving way to fish that bay and you can catch big fish out in the middle the the uh, rhetoric of you have to be waiting to catch a big fish is complete nonsense and so you know if you're if you're not real versed in matagorda drifting is probably the way to go the waiting there can be very tough because the way i've always described east matagorda is it's micro spots inside of micro spots it's a you know it's an area that's a hundred yard square but then you need to be hitting a 10 yard square inside of it to really up your bet um that's a good
0: way to put it i've never heard it like that but i completely agree because you know i'm there all the time too
2: yeah it's uh it's it's a bay it's in my opinion and i'm not trying to sound really tough or great because i guide there it is probably the toughest bay in the state to guide in um, there's not a whole lot of the, this spot right here has fish. And this is where I take my, you know, what Dean say at the FTU thing, I've been catching my fish in the same spot all month. That's just not a thing in no. my, in, in, in East Matagorda, you have to really watch the bait and the ties and the winds and the color and all of that stuff. So what, I guess what I'm trying to say is East Matagorda is a, a fickle creature. Um, West Matagorda is probably, it's probably West Matagorda is probably my favorite bay of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll travel. The reason I stay in East all winter is, you know, a lot of my customers want big fish and there are more big fish in East Bay than there are in West. Um, But the reason I don't really mess with West a whole lot in the in the wintertime is the tides get low. And a lot of the stuff I really like to fish in West Bay, there's just not enough water in them. And uh, what ends up happening is these great big fishery areas in West Bay. They have a couple of deep spots in them that are shoot the size of a couple of boats and Mm -hmm. you can drive all the way to them and if there's one guy and they're fishing it you're pretty much out but west is the sand and the potholes and the grass and that's the the that's the side of matagorda that's more fun um you catch more fish there and just have a good time there as
0: far i'm glad you brought that up about um the same spot we're actually going to get to that topic that was a question we had um and the question is, when exactly should you mark numbers? I had an experience this past week uh, that that I, I, there was an older question. I got it about a month ago, and I just somehow slipped through the cracks. And I said, oh, that's that's the one we need to talk about right there, what I was experiencing. But back to, to East Matagorda Bay. So a newbie comes, drags his boat down there. You know, my best advice would be make sure you know the right cut to get through. Because uh, some of the cuts from the the, the ditch, the the intercoastal to uh, to the bay system itself, especially on the east side of East Matagorda Bay, you will flat out, undisputably, indisputably mess up your boat. I mean, one hundred percent. So, so get some uh, local knowledge, whether it's you know Google Earth or uh, conversations you have uh, to find the right cut. Um, if you see a tripod when you're running up, uh, when you're running up uh, the ditch, the tripod is a good place to cut through. Uh, for there's some other places, but that's the simple way to get through. Once you're in East Matagorda Bay, describe the differences between, um, I guess, the south side and the north side. Uh, for me, it, the best thing and the thing I love about East Matagorda is it just looks so natural everywhere you are. You know, I think we were talking about uh, in a recent podcast about how someone told Scott, oh, this is just so beautiful. It was one of you two guys. And there were like, you know, uh, you know, oil rigs and, and <laughs> all sorts of stuff sticking out of there. And you're like, it is the East Matagorda is so natural looking and it's so pristine in some places that it, even if you don't catch fish, you're just having a good time in that area. Lots of birds um lots of you know wildlife everywhere you see coyotes running around you know, and stuff like that but back to the fishing uh, when you fish the east side and the winds right or the north side excuse me, the south side and the winds right north side and the winds right you know what are you looking at there f- helping our guys try to find places to catch fish
2: the south side is more of your uh sand there's sand there's mud there's guts uh, there's shell here and there and, and whatnot the north side is more of is either mud or hard shell for the most part. Yeah. Uh, the north side is the side you can get yourself in trouble in running your boat uh, more easily than anywhere else. The south side, other than the the shell out in front of oyster farm, is pretty docile. What the I I guess one thing I probably should throw in there, especially after reminding myself with these lower tides this week, is when in the middle of East Matagorda Bay, there's three or four great big reefs, and they're on every GPS ever put out but there's another 10 of them that are not on gps's and if that tide is below normal you will take a lower unit off of on them um and they're not on gps there's really nothing i can do to help you there i'm just saying you know don't feel feel completely safe running around but like i said the, the north side there's a lot of big uh mounds of shell that are either a little bit under the water or out of the water that you can fish all around um the south side is coves drains some of it's mud some of it's sand and then there's there's shell pads in there
0: now scott i know you fished uh, both uh, east matagorda and, and probably more in matagorda uh but i want i, I want you know you, you've been there s- so many years you know fishing up and down the coast i know you know it very well what are your you know sort of off the top of your head try this look for this do this
1: uh, during this clear water time you know in the winter
0: when i yeah, the
1: water clears up really nice. Uh, I used to go up in, in that north side and pole that, and I'd find redfish and trout both, uh, a few really big trout up in just inches of water. Uh, they are really, hard, really hard to catch, but uh, we would see them quite a bit. Uh, during the fall, I always fished on the south side, but back when I was doing it, there was a lot of grass there. Uh, the grass is gone now, but uh, there used to be grass all along that south shoreline in places and that was what I would pull in those areas and the, the little marsh drains and little lakes up into the island. Uh, I spent a lot of time up in there, both kayak and pole and skiff. Uh, West Matagor, like he was talking about, it's got just a cove after cove after cove of shallow water all the way from the Colorado River down to, uh, like, airport flats. Uh, Greens is the most popular. You know, it's the most well-known but it's not the only one by any stretch. There's, mm-hmm. there's quite a few of them over there. Uh, everybody just kind of goes to greens because they've heard of it. But there's plenty of other places to go Do the same kind of thing. Uh, you can wade it. You can pull it. Uh, it's just, there's some really good fishing all along there. And West Matagorda's still got the grass and still got, you know, like you said, potholes. And there's some cool little back lakes uh, all along that island. And some of them are old storm cuts. They kind of go way back up into the island uh i've caught a lot of redfish back in those
0: one thing i like uh caleb and and scott both you can can speak to this uh about east matagorda bay is there is almost like a fishing for dummies element to it because there are some very clear places where you can you know for most months out of the year if the conditions are correct catch fish you know you mentioned the oyster farm uh, depending on what the water looks like what the weather looks like you know that that's a place to to mark uh bird island is very obvious and and and, and it's very easy and it's big you can go backside, front side or either side and there's places like that um there there's just like some good landmarks uh you go to the west side there's some some clear grassy areas that still have grass and you can maybe uh, go look for some redfish so that's one thing, Caleb, like fishing for dummies, if you're trying to get, learn the Bay, there are places that, you know, sort of fail safe places about East Matagorda.
2: Yeah, there's, uh, there's places that, you know, You would have gone I to I the had... fail safes in the last couple of days, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I, this is, I wish I knew him. <laughs> He's just so down he, on himself today. You know, there. <laughs> As a fishing like guide, a would,
0: I'm okay now. But you should have seen me last week.
2: Yeah, as, as a fishing guide, you would think that I know these fail safe places, but apparently I don't. Um, <laughs> you know, I, but you know, like the, the the oyster farm, that's no different than a bunch of the other coves around there. It's a deep, it's a it's deep, it's muddy, it's got drains in and out of it, all that kind of stuff. I honestly think that after the freeze, the like, you know the best piece of advice i had was what i led with that out in the middle drifting around the shell and all that kind of stuff that's just been the way to go to go over there and catch fish it the 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 drifters had outperformed the waders in such a way and i'm not i'm not trying to cop out on talking about wading over there i guarantee you, you can ask anybody that's this fish with me in the in the past 12 months that as soon as it's slow i say hey how y'all feel about drifting because that's that's been the way to go and frankly there's been I think there's been more big fish caught out of the boat than there has been wading, Um, but you know, you're, you're naming off areas that are, you know, deeper mud with some shell and whatnot in them. And, you know, those are areas that probably would be more consistent, but then I revert back to the drifting where you're fishing deep muddy areas with shell all in them, you know, every cast.
0: Yeah. I remember uh, about, boy, it's probably been pushing 20 years ago. Uh, We were fishing East Matagorda Bay and I was with Doug Pike on the boat. And he he may not even remember this, uh, but we were we were catching a couple of fish here and there, but it was sort of sporadic. And he goes, "I wonder how many fish you would catch if you just started on the south side of East Matagorda Bay and drifted all the way across, like all the way across the bay on a good wind, good southeast wind or whatever." I've actually you know done that like two or three times. And to your point, Caleb, you know that's one of those if you're having a slow day. It's not that wide of a, a base system. I mean, you can make that drift. I've done it, like I said, two or three times and catch fish. If you, if you want to, I've done it because it's a slow day. And all of a sudden, like you get into this one area and catch two trout, like, okay, let me drift that again. That not to sound rudimentary, but if you find a good place and just drift all the way across on a nice light, light Southeast wind, you probably will catch fish all the way across.
2: Yeah. Anywhere on the West half of the Bay, anywhere over there, but yeah. I mean, Kat and I and a bunch of the other guys, we make drifts that are miles long regularly. It's 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 muddy spot after hump with shell on it after muddy spot after hump with shell on it from the south side all the way to the north side. And uh like I said, it's incredibly effective.
0: And that's one of those places, uh, Scott, where when I do decide to make a long drift, maybe not necessarily all the way across the bay, but a long drift, I'm always fishing on the bottom. And this is just one little tip, if you will, that I that I always use with a heavier jig head so I can feel the shell when you get to it. Because when you, you know, what Caleb was just talking about, you can have a good long stretch of just mud or nothing or whatever it is, sand. And then when you start working your bait, you can actually start to feel the shell. That's when it's kind of go time, Scott. I mean, that's, that's when you know this would be a fishy area.
1: Yeah. With our our new rods, you know, these super sensitive rods,
0: everybody's got
1: and uh, using uh, braid, it telegraphs uh, much better if you've got a little, little more weight on the end so you can bounce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you whether I'm hitting sand or mud or, or shell, uh, pretty easy. Yeah, And that that gives you a lot of clues. Uh, you're talking about being able to. We Go throw ahead, a Caleb, quarter ounce,
2: We throw a quarter-ounce <laughs> jig head a whole lot while we're drifting with a, a rat tail of I'm some sure. sort on it, whether it's DOA's rat tail or K-Wiggler's ball tail or the mirror lure Little John on a quarter ounce jig head and that's pretty well uh you know what most all of us do and, and we are keeping it on bottom and you can feel shell when it's coming up heck there's areas where i had a lady with me last week she caught every piece of shell in the bay whenever we were drifting i mean every cast and a lot of the what i'm talking about the shell over there is a the size of a you know basketball or smaller it's not yeah. big reefs it's little clumps all over the place and uh you know it the the quarter ounce jig head on a on a rat tail is my favorite. Some people go with the paddle tails. I like the rat tails myself.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm more of a paddle tail guy. Scott, you are with us. Uh, say something. This is really strange.
1: Yeah, you're on us. You
0: um, I can edit this out, but you're with us. Um, <laughs> there it is. Just it, so you guys know, we me. got three minutes and 42 seconds and counting left in this. So I'm going to kind of wrap this up with Scott. I'll I'll turn it off, and then I'll I'll get back with you guys. Send you guys another invitation. Um. Okay. Okay. So just to wrap this up, um, I was with, I, I was, I forget who I was with, but I was fishing one day and, uh, and I'm, I'm throwing off the bottom on a drift in East Matagorda Bay, Scott. And this is just to your point. And, and I went, I turned to, him, I said, well, we're back on the shell. And he goes, well, how do you know that? I said, you'll find out, <laughs> you know, you just throw it out there and then bring it back slowly, uh, because, uh, you, you know, yeah, you get, if you don't get, and I know you've said this, I've said it, Caleb said it. If you don't get hooked up once in a while, you're probably doing it wrong when you're making those long drifts off the bottom. Right. Yeah. You gotta, gotta be bouncing the shell. Uh, that's where the
1: fish are. There's times when they're going to hold a little higher up, but, uh, hopefully you'll hit those on the, on the fall as it goes down to that that shell but that's yeah. a good place to mark yeah you know talking about marking with your gps start marking those little reefs mm-hmm. and before long then you'll have a whole map of uh, areas and then you can kind of glance at your gps and know that you're coming up on it yeah and make the cast
0: and last thing before we put up on this part of the uh, of the show caleb um especially now it might be good advice to take those long drifts, not just because of what you said that you they tend to be catching more in the middle of the Bay over there. But once you get into some fish, there's not a lot of big schools or groups of fish out there. So once you get into them, that's the
2: hero time, you know, it's, it's go time. It then, then I feel, then I feel like a, I feel like the, uh, the guy that I want to be all over again. <laughs>
0: You're just <laughs> killing
2: yourself. <laughs> Hey, I I've, I've always been real about what happened and <laughs> some of the people that fished me last week might be listening to this. So.
0: <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to sell the wrong bill of goods, so to speak. Hey, on it. hey
2: I, Every one of them will tell you I never ran out of jokes, however. Yeah, you got to have the stories. <laughs> All right.
0: So this came from one of our listeners and uh, he actually
2: apologized guys
0: for uh, the 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 wordy question that he had and i'm like man don't don't worry about that don't, don't worry about the wordy questions uh, that, that that's fine we, we we're good with that so he was talking about the color changes and uh, basically he was saying you know color changes is something that we talk about a lot and and so with the color changes sometimes we talk about uh, working the color changes what uh, you know what happens et cetera etc cetera. and and so what he was getting at is why do these things happen? And sometimes this is one of those where you're almost a little bit too close to it to really get uh, what he's talking about. And what he's talking about is, so why are sometimes it's really, you know, there's a, there's a northeast or northwest wind and it gets really dirty and muddy and everything else. Uh, and sometimes not so much. And, and and that's a good question. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that um, because there's there's clearly, you know, different reasons and different ways that things happen. Um, I'll start with you, Scott, because he also wants to know, what does it mean? How do you fish it? Uh, you know, what causes these color changes to happen sometimes bigger or worse or not at all than other times? Uh, what, what would be your answer to that?
1: Well, part of his deal was uh, he, he's been out here recently. Mm-hmm. And he's just amazed by how clear the water is. And uh, in Galveston, you know, for Galveston water to be super, super clear, that's the time of year. Uh, the water gets colder. We get these fronts, water chills out. All the plankton. Galveston water is not really dirty, folks. It's just really rich. Mm-hmm. And that green color, what we all call trout green, is actually just the plankton and the algae that's in the water. That's the base of the food system. And with that, you get the cold water, all that stuff dies. It falls out. So now we've just got clear water. And it's it's fun to fish the clear water, but it's also pretty frustrating because those fish aren't really used to it. They're used mm-hmm. to trout green water. They're not used to that super clear. And so they do tend to get a little more spooky. Uh, go with smaller lures, generally lighter colored lures, more of a, I'd use a like the clear gold uh, DOA shrimp is one of my favorites when it got real clear like that it's a non-intrusive kind of bait it's real quiet and it falls really natural uh, and it's it's not a, a in-your-face kind of color and uh, that tends to work better for me when that water got real real clear up there mm-hmm. uh, anything with a west in it is going to start making it dirty that's when you get the brown Uh, the green's going to come back with the springtime as water warms, the algae will start blooming. The plankton will get going. So you'll have that, that greener water that we look, that's what you want in Galveston. You want trout green water. Uh, it's just a pretty nice emerald green looking can't see, but maybe a foot or two down at the most. That's, that's that's ideal. Mm -hmm. Uh, when it starts getting the color changes, it can be, usually it's from the Southwest wind. Uh, But a straight west wind will tear it up as well. You can actually sit there and watch it start roiling up the water. Uh, Other things that cause the the color change, a real, real strong tide uh, can pick up some bottom and start roiling up the bottom a little bit. See that a lot over in Louisiana uh, coming through those little creeks and stuff. You'll have really nice, clear water, no wind. And all of a sudden, there's just this mud plume, and it's water that's coming through the marsh it's a weird system over there. There's a big channel and then there's back little backwaters that lead out into the bay and the water gets moving so fast through those backwaters. that are real, real soft bottom. It picks up a lot of dirt. Uh, it took me a little while to figure that out. A couple of years of fishing over there to get on top of that. But uh, the other thing is uh, bait fish and, and game fish will also mess, mess the bottom up. Uh, you get enough mullet milling around in the place. They'll make it dirty. Uh, So will redfish, you know, redfish get to nose in the bottom looking for shrimp or whatever. That's when we get those mud trails. And we like to see the mud trails in drought green water because Mm -hmm. we know that that means there's redfish there.
0: You know, there's, uh, Caleb, there's a big, uh, I don't know if it's a misconception because it's largely accurate, but there's this theory if it's chocolate milk, it's like chocolate milk. It's like chocolate milk. I've said it, you've said it, and ever and and there's this theory that that's an absolute no go, and a lot of times when I see that water, it, I'm not happy because I'd rather see good water everywhere, but it's not a no go for me, Caleb. And I want to get your thoughts on this, especially when I was more fishing in Sabine. A lot of times you get that chocolatey, dark brown water. It's oftentimes fresh water, and so where the fresh water is is you know kind of you know pushing into the bay. There's going to be a point, a line sometimes where the salt, where the salt water is. And to me, that is absolute go time because the fresh water and the salt water, I always talk about, you know, trout are like tigers and they come out of that that stuff or, 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 you know, they get the bait that's in the salt water, whatever it is. That's a good time. Now, now where we fish now in East Matagorda, I'm not a big fan of chocolate water, uh, chocolate milk water either, but there tends to be at least some corner, some pocket, some something where there's better water and you can, and you can actually find fish there. Your, your thoughts on those two sort of, uh, dynamics. Yeah. Uh,
2: you know, you can sure catch fish in that dirty water. Mosley's Mosley's pretty darn good at it. He likes the dirty water a lot more than anybody else that I know. Um, me I'm, I'm on those color changes. That's what I did. I mean, he was talking about the question was he has seen a bunch of clear water and, and whatnot. And so what I was doing this week and where we did have our success was where those color changes were at then they weren't necessarily muddy water but i would treat them the same way in that it was really clear water and then a streak of trout green water and then clear water and then a streak of trout green water um i would do it with with, with that or the mud the the muddy stuff you're talking about uh exactly the same way and that's you know drip through them, wade through them. if you're wading, you can kind of slow down and just fish right there where that transition is and if you're drifting you know the the best thing you could find is line up your drift we're going to go across multiple of those but that's uh pretty well you know how you would fish this stuff The, the the bait and the fish have been in that slightly greener stuff that is often close to the clear water it was it was actually sort of backwards this this week where you where you had expected the green water to be the clear water was and vice versa and so that's what pat and i were doing was finding that that off color stuff and standing in it and fishing the edges of that and that's where we were catching we were catching a lot of redfish and stuff like that in it uh-huh. um when it's the freshwater it's a little bit different story sometimes the freshwater is just on top right and your your prop on your your boat will give you the answer to that when you're chugging through that brown water and you look behind you and there's some green boiling up behind you then that's telling you that you know just the stuff that you can see is fresh and underneath it's good clear water and then there's and other salt times too.
0: You can see salt too. Uh, you know, like sometimes you're chugging through the water and it's pretty dark and you can look at your wake and it's just sort of water turning. And then sometimes it looks pretty salty. So that, that could be an indicator of the salt water underneath too.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. And e- even with that fresh water on top, I'll, I'll darn sure fish that salty water underneath it, you know, no doubt. And we're getting into the time of year when we're probably going to start seeing that a little bit more and more of it, if it rains, like, uh, you know, it, it usually does.
0: So Scott, the other part of his question, uh, was how does it affect fish? The, the, the this darker water, this, uh, color changes or whatever, Caleb kind of touched on it with the, you know, the, the, salt water underneath, and sometimes the trout are in the dirty water, but what would be your answer to how it, you know, how it affects most fish when you in that dirty water?
1: It's easier to find bait fish in the cleaner water for them, but the bait fish know that too. So the bait fish tend to go to the dirtier water. Mm-hmm. So and then the trout can can ambush in that dirtier water uh what y'all were talking about with the the uh water on top my best day ever snook fishing down south I've talked about it was about four or five inches of I mean couldn't see into it dirty water (laughs) but these these snook were blowing up on top hitting mullet and every time they'd blow up it'd be a clear spot And so that's why Lee Lee Alvarez and I stopped and started fishing there. We were going to bypass it. It Yeah, just just go right right on by. And then we saw that clear water when a a fish boiled. And we sat there and had a career day, you know, catching 50-plus snook in Mm. one spot without moving. Uh, So the fish are going to find their their comfort zone, whatever that is. You know, if it's salt or if it's a temperature thing or if it's a clarity thing, whatever they're they're most comfortable in and i generally i say fish are comfortable in that water where they can see one to two feet three feet and the salt is is tolerable you know the salt the salinity redfish are going to be more you know freshwater tolerant of course than uh, trout but uh, both of them are going to they're going to seek out that more comfortable area
0: but with the temperature and the salinity you know, Caleb, you touched on this, but I want to, uh, I want you to elaborate because I've, I've experienced this, you know, there's going to be some sort of color change or a color, uh, I guess, uh, slow change, you know, sometimes it's not, it's more gradual. Um, and you talked about, you're going to fish color changes. My experience over the years has been, you know, sometimes I start the lures. you know, casting is, is at a premium here? You know, if you're going to be on that, you have to drift, right. You have to hold, work your trolling motor sometimes to stay on that color change. Um, and and casting to me is at a premium sometimes i'll start it in the clearer water and all of a sudden i'm just like I, well i should we should be catching fish here and nothing happens then i turn and start throwing it into the dirty side uh, so there's no like science like I, it, I always start on the green side because i'm just that ambush i feel like the fish are coming out of the dark water to, to uh to ambush bait in the clear water but that's not exactly you know foolproof sometimes you got to get into the dirty water by the
2: by the clear streak right and i feel like we should clarify that this is a middle coast upper topic yeah you know yeah. port o'connor mansfield that stuff They're those fish are used to clear water yeah uh you know banging those transitions that's that's just where it is and you'll you'll start noticing if you're catching them on the dirty side or on the on the green side or on the green side and or on the clear side wherever that is you'll you'll mm-hmm. figure that out um what what i really notice the most is sometimes you'll get into those streaks that uh they kind of they have their, their little little bellies in front of you. I'm trying to figure out how to explain it where like there's a pocket where the points on your left and it makes a pocket and then wraps back around and then up in front of you on your left is another point And it kind of does like that. That's where you start noticing they're either in the back of that pocket or they're out on the point of that muddy streak. But typically, once you find where you're getting your bites at, each color streak will repeat itself most of the time. So, yeah, like you said, you know, make make a bunch of casts, pay attention to where you're casting, and, you know, it, the pattern will present itself.
0: All right, um, Scott, I, I want to get to this topic uh, because uh, it, it, it was one that happened to me just this past week. Uh, so we're kind of skipping around on the rundown that I sent you guys. But um, before we do that, uh, I do want to mention there's really uh, something really cool. I was texting with Mike Acrylic from Knock and Tail this week he's got a little bit of a new feature he's adding a new product that he's adding that's going to be at the fishing show um in march and it's going to be pretty exciting obviously you can go to um you you can go to mycoastoutdoors.com and and get the the knock and tail which are just really blowing up uh sometimes literally uh and use that promo code bite me 20 and get 20 percent off uh but he's got something that he's going to kind of unveil at the fishing show and i know you wanted to mention uh, speaking of the fishing show and our friends over at fishing tackle unlimited and uh, you i and caleb are going to uh be doing uh, uh i guess lack of a better term a q a Q&A, um on the wednesday of the fishing show but big big year for uh, fishing tackle unlimited and uh, i was really excited when you told me this
1: yeah it's uh their birthday is uh just happened a couple days ago on
0: valentine's day that's uh,
1: 43 years in business how about that that's that's pretty incredible for an independent tackle shop, you know, independently owned. I mean, I remember when, when we did their 30th, uh, we had a little party <laughs> up there and there was a whole bunch of old time reps hanging out, you know, and everybody's, you know, having a little toast in the break room and they started naming off all the shops that had come and gone in those 30 years in the Houston area. Mm-hmm. And I think we came up with 34 or 35. And I different believe different
0: it. I absolutely believe
1: it had come and gone. Yeah, I'd like to stop and do it again for the last, you know, 13 years. I would imagine there's probably another 13 or so that have come and gone. Um, they just keep trucking right along. Man, uh, the same, pretty people, amazing. Same people yeah. start out at cut rate, yeah. Right? Same owners, yeah. Same owners, same people around. Uh, a whole lot of the same old reps. Same Scott, <laughs> are same still Scott. hanging out.
0: <laughs> when did you start your? Uh, so I'm just curious association with the uh, FTU.
1: Uh, I was probably 16, 17 years old, somewhere around there, uh, somewhere right around when they first started, I was working at Marburgers and Marburgers and, uh, Joe and Danny were, they were friends and they would do some buys together where, you know, if they, if they pulled their, their influence, they could get a little better deal on some stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I was the runner. I would take uh, take stuff back and forth between the stores. You know, we'd get it shipped over to Marburgers and a big deal, and then we'd split it up, and they'd get some of it and we'd get some. Did the same thing on hunting things with uh, Bailey's House of Guns. Uh, I can't tell you how many loads of uh, clay pigeons I ran <laughs> back and forth in a 1977
0: El Camino. <laughs> so you must have been 17 because they started in 1979. Yeah. It was it was right around there.
1: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it was uh, it was pretty cool, yeah, to be around around those guys, and watch it all grow. But uh, I got closer to them when I was on the police department. I'd stop in there quite a bit and mm-hmm. visit, and I did a little bit of work, a little undercover work for Joe on some. Uh, some problems around the store and different things Well, oh, there's uh, a
0: story there we, don't bury the lead oh man. yeah give us one little nugget <laughs> yeah there, there's
1: there's some legalities involved in some of uh, that okay. but, uh, yeah, uh, so i did did some work with them there and then uh, over time I, I ended up when i left the police department becoming a sales rep and they were my best customer and still hang out with them. You know, they've got a house here in Port O'Connor, uh, Joe does, and we tend to go to dinner you know, every couple of weeks or so and hang out together. And then of course, Camille worked there for 13, 14, 15 years, uh, doing all the marketing for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm pretty tied in with the fish and tackle Unlimited. I'm on their pro staff now and just good people. Really, yeah. really good. No, I've, people I've
0: experienced just it just myself. Run it. Yeah. It, it's, it's fantastic. So people can come by and say hello to us, uh, and listen to our Q and a and go tell Joe and everybody, uh, congratulations on their 43rd birthday. That that's awesome. Now yeah, that's absolutely uh, awesome. All right. So Caleb, this is uh, for you, I, I was out, I, I mentioned it on the podcast last week. I just had that wild hair. I wanted to get up early, 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 uh, I, you know, trying to outsmart the fish, which is always dangerous. Uh, and the bite hadn't been that good during the day I'd heard. So I got that there real early, uh, on Saturday, there was perfect wind. It was before that big wind started coming up. It was out there before the sunrise didn't catch much, but I, I I used the opportunity what we always talk about here. So I'm on the North side of East Matagorda Bay. And I've been going there for 20, whatever years. And there was this one area on the North side that was completely exposed because of the extremely low tide. And there was this sandy area that just jutted out. It was probably about 50 yards wide and probably 100, 120 yards deep into the bay. And, and it was normally underwater. And I'm I'm cruising real slow by there. And I'm looking, man, I've never seen that. And then at the at the tip of the this little area jutting out, I saw some kind of exposed shell and some other stuff. And I'm like, boom, marked it. Because as long as I've been going there, I didn't catch a single fish there. I didn't even get a bite. I didn't see any bait, but that area right there, you know, to the question of when exactly should you mark numbers outside of the shell that Scott was talking about, Caleb, you know, if you come across some shell, you know, get those numbers and and mark them and and you'll have that uh, for the next time you're drifting. But that was to me, the perfect example of, I'm going to go back there and I'm not trying to be cocky or anything. I guarantee I'm going to catch some fish there at some point because I saw it exposed. It was a Sandy into shell bottom. It joined, it, it kind of pointed out into a point. I'm like, that is perfect. Never been there before, but that's, that's what we're talking about. Right.
2: Yeah. Whenever you see something that's, that's, that's different and just adds up to the stuff that you're looking for or that you hear that you're looking for whatnot, you know, it. um, I don't get into marking somewhere just because I caught a fish. I have my, my GPS is littered with marks and most of it is whenever I hung up the shell that was significant. Like if I could if I had a hard time getting my lure back or something when I'm drifting, you know, that kind of stuff gets marked. Um, if uh I'm drifting and I notice a big old hump somewhere, I'll mark that. You know, obviously or he we mark- loses
1: the chunk out of his propeller.
2: Yeah. You know. <laughs> I was about to, to say it. I mean, I mean I we're here I, anyway. I was, let's just mark it. I was starting the, I was starting the sentence. Obviously, we marked the hazards. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I don't really mark places just because I caught a fish. But whenever I find shell or a hump or a deep spot, or um, you know, sometimes there's some areas that's just a consistent. You can there's a color change there on particular tides. So that's telling me that there's something going on there where water current moves through there pretty well. Uh, stuff like that. You know, structure is what I mark mostly. Um, there are other times I'll mark stuff as a reminder, right? Um, I think a lot of us have the habit of, you know, there's a there's a patch of shell out in front of, you know, whatever, you know, bullet, bullet ball point, right? <laughs> and I've got my son's baseball sitting here. So that's where I got yeah. that reference from. Uh, but, you know, and you think to yourself, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, that's kind of stuff I'll mark to remind myself that is there you know it even even um even if you think that you won't remember it there's been a couple of tournaments i always talk about those stinking flounder that cost pat and i so much money there's this one drain that i've caught a good flounder in every time i've ever been to it but on the day that it mattered that our heads were were shook and we were scrambling i never even thought to go there and so there are there's i'll mark that kind of stuff as well you know just a. A muddy drain that you see every day i'll still put that mark on it right flounder so that whenever i'm scatterbrained i see stuff like that well, but primarily that's... humps guts and uh i find shell either by dropping my power pole in it whenever i'm doing something or you know hanging up while i'm drifting
0: that speaks to something that i've mentioned on the podcast scott i actually thought of you when i saw this little area jutting out that i'd never seen in 20 whatever years in matagorda and i thought of you because clearly i'm just stupid because i fished all around it and i've never seen that or marked it but the other possibility is that that whole shoreline has changed in recent you know months and years and so now it 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 looks different than it ever has so that's why you got to kind of stay on top of your game right in terms of of what you're seeing and 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 actually deleting some marks and making sure you got the right ones there for the structure and what caleb was just talking about
1: yes Um, storms change things quite a bit yeah, I've got some blowout spots along Matagord Island where it was just big humps of uh, shell and sand up on the bank, and during the storm it blew it out, and now there's this big peninsula of of shell and sand that sticks out into the grass. Uh, I know wherever one of those are, and the redfish tend to skirt around the edge of it, and they'll they'll use it, you know, use it as a highway. Uh, places like that, everything changes. You know, oyster reefs kind of. Unfortunately, they go away more than they come these days because of the oyster boats. But uh, you can see oyster reefs that start growing. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're active and they're growing and they're getting better. Uh, I've seen a few of those pop up in some back lakes before. Where I didn't really notice them before. You know, the other thing is this time of year you notice things more like that because of the low
0: tides. Yes,
1: uh, you get super super low tides and it might be an area you didn't go to in a low tide. Which is before. another
0: reason I thought of you. Yeah,
1: I mean that's, that's a prime time to go scouting and marking things, uh, catch these real low tides, uh, behind these fronts this time of year. And I mean, the water may be a foot or two lower than normal.
0: And that'll, that'll expose a lot of things that when the
1: water comes back up, you need to be fishing.
0: And the other thing that I would recommend is I actually put a word or a, a few letters that would lead to the, to, to me, to that place, because, you know, You know, I wasn't even going to say this, but I guess I got to, because I knew Caleb and Scott were going to give me a hard time. (laughs) So I like to use words because sometimes it's just numbers and they all run together and you're on the water so much. You're like, well, what is that? And I don't remember what that exactly was. I'll just go look and check it out and drift through there or whatever. And it'll remind me, but I like to use words of of, like, take the extra time, even though you're all excited about fishing and you want to get your line in the water, just take a couple of minutes, extra minutes and, and write down, words so this one spot that I was on it the way it was jutting out I just wrote the word nipple. <laughs> because it was sticking off the it was sticking off the, the the end of the shoreline and it had that little shell on the tip of it. And I'm like, okay, well that way I'll remember what it was and, and what it looks like <laughs> under there. You can, <laughs> you can make fun of me if you want. But next time I see that, I know exactly what, what that structure is going to be and what it looks like coming off of that shoreline.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, John, where are you getting on my day? Oh, nibble. <laughs> where I are we some. going? Here's
1: one? Where are we going? Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I feel like it's time to change topics because this is going to shift gears quick. That is a <laughs> perfectly fine word to use
0: right there. Uh, it actually is. But yeah, it I, I've done like barrel because you can tell that it, there was some you know structure down there or whatever. So don't don't be afraid to use words, uh, you know, just to, to jog your memory. And Scott said this: there there are things that you think, well, I'll remember that. You I, don't, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you don't. Yeah. You're like, well, I fish here all the time. I'll remember that. Nope, yeah. <laughs> you won't. When you're
1: in your twenties and thirties, you remember that. The older you get, the less you remember about
0: yeah. it. Exactly.
2: And you know they all. Good. they all say that we uh, none of us have our own spot in the bay pat legitimately has a mark on his gps called pat and i'll be like hey where'd you fish today oh i fished at pat like man that, that's that's bold bud so are you with like, me put a word there to jog
0: caleb you know to kind of jog your remember what you're looking at and what what your I, you know conditions are yeah
2: I mean, I, i'll write shell a lot I'll write stuff like flounder. I've got one called Trio Red because we found we we found some reds consistently there. We the, when we did find them the first times in the trio. I'm more putting what it is though, you know, shell stuff like that, uh, hole, you know, things like that. I, I also have a spot called Pat. It's a pretty good spot.
0: All right. Well, I'm gonna have to go to Pat. The other thing I do before we get off of this is uh, oftentimes, if especially if it's mid bay, um, I'll write the date that I caught fish there. Like if I catch fish and I've told this story, there's a place in Matagorda um, that I caught, it's probably been 12, 15 years now. And I've always been able to transfer, you know, those numbers to my new GPS. I caught them in May. It was like May 12th or something like that. And I just wrote May 12th. So, and inevitably, you know, there's been some years where around May 12th, I haven't caught anything, but almost always in the first two weeks of May if the conditions in the water you know are decent I'm catching fish right there I can't explain it uh, I, I know there's some science behind it I don't know what you guys have to say about that but if you can't if you don't want to write a word but you are on some fish in a particular space place where and it's not just fish running through there you know it's actually some structure or something you write the date and I'm, I'm telling you that it, it does work I don't know what
2: you think about that Caleb So on, on my GPS, that would be five twelve for May 12. I've got, I've got series on mine. I've got like, you know, 601, 607, stuff like that. And so, and then, uh, you know, Pat and I talk a lot, work together a lot. So whenever I tell him, you know, I'm on the 600 numbers, uh, that's where they came from is, you know, we got on a good streak there in June and, and so forth and so on. And that, that goes right back to the putting something there just to remind yourself. You know, I, I've got a lot of my 200 numbers are wait spots because we were waiting in a, uh, and whatnot, but yeah, that's a, that's a, it's like I said, anything you can do to remind yourself of, of things that you may have forgotten about is, is a powerful thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Scott, I think you've actually subscribed to my theory on that as well. The, 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 it doesn't hurt because that time of year, something's going to happen.
1: In Galveston, we had it written on the,
0: the hotspot maps. You yeah. know,
1: the, the spot where Lonnie ran out of beer yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we all there was a group of us that knew you know knew all the names that we had for for them and that was way before gps and hell that was before loran we were out there with a paper map but we knew exactly where those spots were in the bay and we could get on the radio we didn't have cell phones so we're getting on vhf radio and calling to our buddies going hey man we're over here where lonnie ran out of beer and that confused everybody else that's listening but our guys knew what we were talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. All right, so we're gonna get into what would Scott do and what would Caleb do. Uh, but I do want to, uh, you know we were talking about um, fishing Tackle Unlimited. Uh, Jake and J T from the Boatyard and uh, uh, Chet from Freedom Boats have a really cool thing. I mentioned I was going down to uh, South Padre this weekend, and they're gonna have all kinds of videos. they're gonna be they're gonna really juice up their website. They do such a good job, and Chet has been absolutely knocking it out of the park with Freedom boats. I know Scott's got his eye on the on the new one coming out, um, and I've got my warrior, my second warrior, and the boatyard. We're going to be down there. We're going to do some videos. It's the the website is going to be top notch. Drones, uh, everything else is going to be used. Uh, it's going to be uh, just fantastic. Uh, so, uh, clearly, you know, I'm a big fan of the boatyard. I'm going to get some interviews with those guys. I'm going to answer your questions. I got a question specifically for JT from the boatyard that we'll have next week. We're going to have Shane, uh, Bonneau on next week, uh, from, uh, CCA, Texas, because there is some news there. So he's, he's, uh, agreed to join us there. Um, and of course, uh, I, I, I just have to mention, um, our other two guys, cause this is for our listeners, uh, deadly Dudley. Uh, if you follow them on uh, Instagram, I think it's a really good follow because it's not just, hey, look what we caught. It shows you the baits, the colors, the styles, where they caught them, et cetera. Just go to deadlydudley.com, use that bite me 20 code, bite me 20, and do that. And then the same thing happens uh, when you go to coastalfishinggear.com and you can go get your wade right. We had uh, a, a message on uh, the group page, on the Facebook group page. Hey, I tried to use uh, the Bite Me 20 uh, code. Uh, It didn't work. It works. Just ask for the Bite Me combo and you get a heck of a value there uh, because Tim and and, uh, Jason do a great job. Just go to coastalfishinggear.com. You can use the Bite Me 20 code there as well. And we're good to go. All right, boys. uh, We've got uh, what would Scott do? What would Caleb do? Here's the situation. I know you guys are always on top of the weather. Caleb, today, I'm going to start with you because you've been out on the water uh, a lot and you've just been beating yourself up for the last hour uh, about how you've forgotten how to fish. We've all said that. I know it's not true, but you've got a good scouting report on what's happening in these base systems, particularly the base systems you've been fishing. Um, Wind today and Thursday gets a little better after that. What would Caleb do if he were going fishing this weekend?
2: Hmm. Assuming that I, the tide stays here. We got the wind coming in the next couple of days should bring the water back up for us and then a pretty pretty rough northern coming in towards the end of the week which has kind of been the the norm lately. Uh, how co- northern's never hit on Mondays. Why is that? I know. <laughs> um but You're telling me that. I'm looking at it right now the forecast is due north a little bit of east in it so hopefully it won't blow a lot of the water back out. I'm probably going to be exploring those areas that have been too shallow and too clear to fish for the past week or two. Um, I think this will stir the water up, get some, get some color back in it, get some tide back in, give those fish a reason to go lay up there and hang out. So I'm probably going to either be waiting somewhere that, that has been shallow, but has some water on top of it now, or possibly be, even be in a back Lake, uh, seeing if that tide brought some fish back into the back lakes, something like that. It is kind of exciting to see some water coming back because it's been low 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 it's yeah. and e- even even with the the winds that we've had um prior to this weekend it just hadn't been coming back very well so i am hoping we'll get a little bit of a flood tide back in here and by a flood tide i mean something a foot or better and and uh get those flats going again
0: maybe mix up some bait you know, get, you know get, there's a lot of stuff's been happening down there so a lot of times when the water comes up that was actually a question we were going to get to so you're kind of answering it right now uh, I was talking about that one place where I just, I'd never seen it. So exposed those areas might get some, some bait over. Cause there's all been, been all kinds of things happening uh, on the dry land. There's going to be some algae. There's going to be some bird mess. There's going to be some stuff that kind of attract bait, right?
2: Yeah. And there's, there's been some, some good bait up shallow. It just, and I think, honestly, think the fish have, have been laying up there. I think they've just been kind of pouting. They, <laughs> uh, you know, patting them kind of came up with the idea that they're eating about every fourth or fifth day out of, you know, out of five days. And so, you know, get that bait up there, get them feeling good, get some, get some water that they like to eat in. And, and it could, it could be the little breakthrough that we've been waiting on.
0: Yeah, I've been waiting on it. Scott, Port O'Connor and South, uh, what would Scott do? I'm looking,
1: Southeast can be pumping Wednesday, uh, 21, gusting to 35 during the middle of the day. So that's going to drive some water back in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those flats have been exposed and that mud being exposed. uh, We've had some real good sunshine. It's bright, sunny out there right now. Uh, Those flats are going to warm up. That mud's going to get warm. That water comes up on it. That'll bring bait fish up pretty easy. Uh, They should come on in there. Problem comes in when (laughs) that front blows back in again. Like I said, we're on a pattern right now where every – every thursday friday saturday seems like it's uh blowing pretty good great and <laughs> i think it that friday night when or friday morning man they're talking it's gonna blow water out it's 29 gusting to 37 down here uh water's gonna disappear again uh so you, and and it happens to coincide with a falling tide so put those two things together and we're gonna lose a couple feet of water pretty quick i think yeah so Friday morning, we're going to be right back to, uh, fishing that, that colder water off the drop-offs, uh, all those fish that come up there on those flats, they're not going to go real far as that water falls off. I would find a, an area where it drops off and the water is, is dumped off of a big flat out of the, some back lakes and that warmer water is going to fall off that edge. And that's where the fish are going to hang out. I would imagine. Uh, just a just a wild guess right now, but by Saturday and Sunday, I mean it drops back down. You know, Saturday afternoon and into Sunday, it's dropping back down into the tolerable range, you know, yeah. ten to fifteen mile an hour. So it shouldn't be too bad. Going you know, to swing back east and might might pick a little bit more water back up. Cl- heavy cloud cover. Throw some top waters.
0: There we go. Uh, that's always fun. Throw those top waters. And uh, hey, it'll be a good way for me to. Uh, and the other uh, guys that are going to be down there in South Padre to show just what the, the, those freedom boats can do. Um, you guys are, by the way, we had a lot of listeners down South. Uh, you see us out there, it be about four or five freedom boats, uh, going through some paces, uh, doing some videos and, and certainly fishing as well. Uh, don't be bashful about saying hello. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, absolutely do that. Staying down there at the courtyard. Uh, so, uh, come by and say hello. Captain Caleb TV has been popping. Uh, what, what should we expect there, Caleb?
2: And you know what, I uh, I, I'm looking at our different topics. I might do a video tomorrow, a little bit more in depth on uh, water clarity and how we approach stuff like that. It's yeah. been, but it's been popping. We 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 got stuff happening, having a good time over there, and and the the subscribers keep showing up. I don't know where they're coming from. I figured I would cap Even out about 2500. Even though you're yourself up about your fishing acumen. Well, you know what, the the, the you know it it there's no reason to, to fake it. There's no reason to fake it. Some, <laughs> so you know, sometimes we good, sometimes we not. You know, hey, all right? we it's want,
0: just... all we want is for you to be honest, and you are. And uh, I can uh, vouch for uh, both the guys that are across me, uh, two of the best fishermen I've ever been around in my life, and of course Patrick Gardner as well, who's a friend of the show that we get on here occasionally. <laughs> Scott and all photography.com. I know you were telling me you were working on some pictures, so there's probably some new stuff on there too, huh? Yep, I've turned them over
1: to Camille and. I did my part of it and got them on the, on the warehouse part of the site. And right. she puts them wherever everybody can find them. Well, yeah. You're saying you're going to South Padre. I just kind of took a glance. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be running some skinny water. Oh, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, Wendy, you're going to be running Wednesday. No, no. You're running Thursday
0: on or Thursday, Thursday, on uh, Thursday. morning to okay. night.
1: You should be okay. All yeah. All day. Thursday looks pretty good in the morning. It's going to be rough.
0: Overnight right. is 32, gusting to 53 out of Yikes. the south. Well, I'm going to be I'm going to be dragging my boat seven hours in that wind. That should be fun. Yeah. that'll, yeah, that'll never. That'll never. Be, uh, that'll that'll be eventful. I know that.
1: Yeah, you'll buck a you're going to buck a headwind going and then coming back.
0: Oh, awesome! Be nice. Funny how that works out. It's like <laughs> when I went to school walking uphill both directions. Yeah. All right, boys. There goes uh, the gas mileage. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, don't forget to do that. And uh, we'll see you guys down south. I'm going to give you a report. We're going to actually talk to a couple of captains down there and maybe do the same sort of what you need to know bay fishing uh, topic with one of them. Then we'll get down south and and give you that. Until then, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you a ton for listening. Uh, Catch some fish this weekend. And uh, we didn't even get to some of our topics as we always leave some on the table. But we will next week. Until then, catch them up and we will talk to you next time.